Welcome to Sana Talks to People and Sometimes Herself. I'm your host, Sana. And today I'm joined uh, with my friend, uh, Maria. And Maria and I were having a conversation earlier on about many things. But when we further discussed to find the common denominator, we realized it was communication. And with communication, also emotional intelligence. Now, in terms of the relationships we have and how we communicate to avoid potential stress or uh, communicate expectations, non-negotiables, and so forth. So the topic for today is going to be primarily focused on communication skills. And uh, Marie and I can will delve into different aspects of the various relationships we can talk about. Yeah, that's, that's where we're going to start at. So welcome, Maria. Thank you for having me. This is so exciting. What a great intro. Well, thank you. (laughs) Well, thank you. Thanks for saying that. Uh, You're reading my script perfectly. Um, oh no don't tell the audience that what (laughs) it's all natural I swear (laughs) I wanted to ask you how do you feel about your communication skills just speaking as an individual uh, what's the first thing that comes to mind when you think my communication skills oh that's very interesting the first thing that comes to my mind actually when you ask that question is there's always room for improvement that's that's very humble of you (laughs) Which was not expected from my brain. I'm very shocked, actually. What were you expecting? I was expecting to say I'm open, uh, go with the flow, emotionally intelligent, as we mentioned in our previous conversation. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I think the reason that my brain automatically went to room for improvement is because we're always learning. Humans, just the way that we communicate. If you have the same values that you had five years ago today... Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. You're not growing as an individual, which means your communication style hasn't grown, which means there's a lack of emotional intelligence mm-hmm. to some end. Um, yeah, so I, I think, yeah, I think that's why my brain went, went to always growth. Because you're also, you're also interacting with so many new people, hopefully on a daily basis, mm-hmm. and you're taking things away from each of those experiences. Mm-hmm. Now, going back to that, that that's a good point. The only way we learn, well, first and foremost, of course, it's absolutely true. The, the minute you stop learning, you die pretty much, right? Uh, if our brain stops working, we stop learning. Um, if our brain dies, not we're technically dead. I mean, <laughs> not to get morbid. Not to get to morbid. Be technical. Um, <laughs> but okay, okay, bringing it back to what you were saying, I do like that. Yeah. And when the learning and growth stops, you know, you're faced with arrogance, you're faced with pride. If you think that you've learned everything that you've learned, it's a really confusing place to be in because you're going to be hit with disappointments left, right, and center. So that's a really good point. Um, I just wanted to comment on that. But the second thing I wanted to mention is, of course, you said when you said when a person's interacting, hopefully with with different people, and that's a great point too. Because how do we learn? Well, we learn by talking to people, meeting new people and new experiences, right? And every minute of our lives, every hour we're evolving. So imagine you're somebody who's lived in the same neighborhood their whole life. They've never moved out of their small town. You've known the same people, the same friends, and you haven't really made new friends or connections. Aside from maybe you go to work and maybe the mentality is, oh, I'm not at work to make friends because Hey, who's heard that before, right? (laughs) I'm at work to work. So this person is going to be, I mean, it's a hypothetical scenario, but 
objectively speaking, they would be at a disadvantage in terms of their communication skills. The experience and the people aren't automatically given. Uh, they're not, they don't enter our lives automatically and therefore not everyone gets the same practice. Not everyone is at the same um, playing field when it comes to even practice and communication skills. To your comment about people communicating with others, it's not even that there's going to be a lack of conversation or communication. It's also going to be a lack of connection because when you are in an environment that is essentially an echo chamber to your own thoughts and ideas and perspectives, mm -hmm. you are only going to be able to interact with a certain number of people who hold a certain number, a certain type of belief, right? Mm -hmm. As opposed to if you're traveling, if you're going out, you'll be able to speak to a wide variety of people and also connect with them and build a genuine connection. Whereas I, to your point about how people say at work, I'm just here to work, I don't want to make friends. Who says you can't be friends with people that you work with? Who said that? Who made that rule? Who made that law? It's just this mentality of professional, also professionalism versus non-professionalism environments. Again, right. what does that mean? <laughs> right? I don't know the opposite term for that, but do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I think, I mean, in, in employer's defense, my guess is that they want to draw a boundary to prevent future biases. But here's the thing, one cannot completely control human emotion or communication or interaction. To put a bottle or a cap on that is 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 impossible. It, it's quite authoritarian. I, and I do believe it's an archaic way of thinking because a team will work together if they, they get to know each other, if there's trust, if there's rapport. If you know someone better than just their work persona, right? If you know a little bit about them, if you can talk to them in a friendly manner, you're more likely to have trust and so forth. So I think innovation and all the collaborative thinking, everything that a workplace wants, you will get when you have that team cohesiveness. And to make that artificial takes away from, from the authenticity of a person, you know, evolving and growing and communicating. So I think that that's where it becomes a bit um, fake, or you can see comedy sketches that, you know, depict work culture is a certain way. And we all know it's fake, right? We all know like it's, it's pretend. So I do think we now live in an age where companies are getting better at managing that, or they're realizing that, you know, you need to have some level of comfort. And this also reflects the interview style when, when if you're, you'd be interviewed, let's say at a coffee shop, right? Because they'd want you to be casual and, and cool and calm. I'm digressing. I wanted to go back to another point. If you're in the same bubble, like you can travel and still be in the same bubble of the same types of people with the same types of thoughts. So one of the biggest misconceptions we have about people well-traveled is, oh, they must be so open-minded. They must be so, um, they must be great because, you know, they, they follow exactly what you said, Maria, right? They're, they're exploring others and opening their minds to different thoughts. But here's a weird thing about the world we live in. As much as we're connected, at the same time, People connect to people that they have similar interests, thoughts with. And eventually you get to a point where every, most people around you agree with you, right? Most people around you think like you. They have similar interests. They do similar things. You could be traveling from one corner to, of the world to another, but you'll connect with the same type of people, right? You'll go out for dinner, have mm -hmm. the same type of wine. You'll go to the same type of store, for crying out loud, because the same store will be in the other end of the world. So... And my question is, how does one ensure that they're able to actually 
connect outside of their comfort zone because it takes a person to actively say to themselves that I need to be challenged or or actually even invite uh, discourse or debates where they are challenged, where their beliefs and values are challenged. Even if someone is educated, they can still hold those beliefs. And, and I think it's from a lack of communicating with people outside of, of your thinking. When you were talking, all I kept thinking about was habits, habits and how we can break habits. And the reason that this was coming up was because oftentimes when we hear people talk about their relationships, whether it be romantic or friendship wise, mm-hmm. I've noticed patterns with certain people where they're explaining similar situations with different people. Mm-hmm. And it goes to what you're saying, how you're attracting a certain type of person. Right. <laughs> right. And am I, I start. I started to think as you were talking again, like, how do we break those habits of attracting that type of energy? How do we break that habit of always going for this type of person or that type of person? And to answer your question, to your point about how do we get out of that, it, you have to take a leap of faith. And that requires a lot of interpersonal and intrapersonal evaluation and thinking. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, there's a lot, most of the time, people don't tend to do that for whatever reason. It's scary. Let's be real. Looking at yourself, looking at your own habits, evaluating your actions or inactions in certain situations, it can be a daunting experience because you have to confront situations where, oh, wow, I am not that great of a person that I thought I was. Mm -hmm. Or, oh, wow, I was at fault in this scenario. I could have handled that a lot better. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people don't want to do that. I think as well, it also goes down to the point of a lot of people when, especially right now, because our culture is so polarized across the board in various topics, whenever people have a different opinion than you, it's automatically seen as an argument. <laughs> yes. Whereas it's always an argument, right? Whereas, I disagree. And I think we're going to have an argument. I'm kidding. Yeah. No. Okay. Let's go right now. <laughs> um, let's go, Maria. And it's, it's not an argument. It doesn't have to be this heated, terrible discussion. Uh, it can be a debate. And I, again, it goes back to just lack of education around how to talk to other people from a very young age. I was speaking to someone actually recently about this. And when a kid, envision this, a kid is having a breakdown. Mm-hmm. We don't know why. They take a toy and they throw it against a wall. They're just angry. Most of the time, the parent will say, stop throwing that, as opposed to asking the kid, hey, why did you throw that? Why did you do that? Like asking the child, like a five-year-old kid, asking them how they're feeling and why they did it. Right. Guaranteed the kid is going to say, I was angry or I was sad. And then you can have a dialogue with the kid and, uh, and say, okay, what caused you to be angry? Why are you sad? What can we do next time so you avoid throwing the toy against the wall? Right. Which to me is a much healthier dialogue to yeah. have with a child. Um, and it also makes them more self-aware of, their own emotions mm-hmm. um, across the board. I don't think we do that. And I think that results in the issues that we're seeing now where people are repeating old habits, going through the same cycles, being very unaware of even their own emotions. To put it bluntly, it just sucks. 
not just to the child, as an adult too, right? If someone's reacting, right? Am I going to put on my boxing gloves? I always have this analogy, like when I sense someone's uncomfortable and they start arguing with me, like I I just think of, oh man, they're putting their boxing gloves. (laughs) They need to be calm. Like, because now I'm not going to get through to them because they're offended, because they're angry, because they're emotional, which means they're going to miss everything I'm saying because they're going to put their walls up and it's going to be tough to get through to them right now. And and of course it's 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 about our reactions when we see our friends or anyone we're with and they have a I don't know, a breakdown or an emotional reaction, instead of asking, "Hey, what's the matter?" or "What made you say that?" or "What made you act this way?" Normally the response would be that that person will get so offended because they'll think that they did something. Um, that it's all about them. And again, it's our own narcissistic way of thinking that everything revolves around me. (laughs) And so I get offended and I make it about myself as opposed to wondering what possible reasons could this person be acting the way they're acting? Not everyone gets the privilege of having parents or caregivers that cater, that teach them those skills. Uh, And of course, not no, no parent needs to be perfect, but it could be anybody around you, anybody like that grew up with you, right? People that we learn from. And if you're used to people yelling at you when you have a reaction or the way you behave, you probably are used to withdrawing. Therefore, in the future, if you're in a relationship, for example, in an intimate relationship, and then you have a, a little meltdown and you're used to people yelling at you, you're going to probably isolate yourself from that person and not talk to them or just say, leave me alone, or just not invite any conversation. Hey, if you have two of the same people, you're going to have a very heated argument. You're right. It's kind of putting ourselves in someone else's shoes and asking the whys as opposed to making it about you and centering off about you. So it does take a lot of, I think, to be present, to actually listen, you know, to really, really listen. I think listening skills are instrumental when it comes to communication. To your point about how understanding what people are going through themselves, whenever I see someone's reaction or in a certain situation, I always ask, like, what is going on in their life? Hmm. What, what, what do I not know? And what hmm. questions do I have to ask to find out, right? Because when I, whenever that happens in a certain situation where I'm questioning, to me, why is their behavior irrational? Mm-hmm. Because to them, it's rational. Right. So understanding why it is rational to them it allows the pathway to have a dialogue and a conversation mm-hmm. and to resolve any conflict that may be risen out of it. Right. Mm-hmm. So to that point, everyone has a story. Everyone yeah. has a backstory. Everyone's going to have a future story. We have to find out what that is. And, and that comes from asking questions. Yeah. And then one other thing in terms of upbringing and how it creates your habits and like your style and everything, I thought of how, yeah, your upbringing really does also create your attachment style in terms of relationships, regardless of whether it's romantic or platonic, whatever it may be with um, business wise. Mm -hmm. And the four attachment identities, I believe they're called, is secure, anxious, preoccupied, dismissive, avoidant, and fearful avoidant. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I believe there's a statistic that says majority of people fall into the the non-secure ones. Yeah, yeah. Which which goes to say how much work and progress we still need to do in terms of understanding ourselves yeah. in the context of relationships and with others. Absolutely. Yeah, the attachment style, the attachment theories is a great great place to look at when evaluating our relationships. 
and really inwards, right? Like this is intrapersonal skills. And as you mentioned before, it's a very hard thing to do. It's a hard pill to swallow. Uh, and I think particularly if you have a lot of pride, right? Because first you have to be aware that something is wrong. So you can't just say, I'm perfectly all right. It's just them. It's them. It's them. Like how many times have we heard that before? Or that kind of attitude, right? You have to get through that barrier first to say, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Something's not right with me. Let me look into it. But how do we get um, there? <laughs> I whenever I have conversations with people about that too my my thought is always hmm you sound like the common denominator though in all of these situations <laughs> what <laughs> have you ever thought what? about looking inwards <laughs> yeah exactly like it's good okay give you the benefit of the doubt okay let's yeah. say like someone else did something but it's also right. like what was your role in the situation right, right. Yeah. and I have I always have so much more respect for people who come forward and say hey I messed up. Mm-hmm. I could have done this better. I'm sorry, whatever the case may be. And just owning up to any situation. And then again, having just a dialogue. It's just about talking. Yeah. Absolutely. And for whatever reason, people don't want to do it. I, I was speaking to a friend. She actually asked me a really good question. And it was, what's the difference between uh, being vulnerable and oversharing? And my, my gut reaction was oversharing is you want to be heard. Whereas being vulnerable is you want to be understood. Hmm. And I think a lot of people right now, they, they want to overshare because they just want to hear their voice. And hmm. we can have another conversation around social media, for example, and how that's oh, really amplifying. <laughs> yes. I, we can have another conversation about how that's really amplifying the self-centeredness. I was just talking about that in my previous podcast, Manners and Consideration. And we're talking about manners and, and just being considerate, like, much to what we just uh, hit right there. And and we went back to social media and the culture that creates, it's a very narcissistic, self-centered, self-indulgent culture where it is about you, 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 and your attention is monetized, right? Uh, attention is the new currency and it is monetized. And when it's monetized, it's, I'm now questioning the authenticity of the content that I'm hearing because if I know it's all about money, then it's not genuine. And to your point, when you when you're saying, it's about oversharing, then I think this oversharing is, it's about, are you a brand? Are you a person? Can you merge the two? Even if you merge the two, you're trying to sell a particular lifestyle or a product. Um, And in this culture of oversharing, often I'm hearing from certain people is that they don't want to feel alone. So they like to connect with others. And Here's the thing, um, you know, what you said was a very excellent and eloquent way to put it, you know, do you want to be heard or do you want to be understood? Because we can share surface level things. I can overshare so many surface level things, but if I truly am vulnerable with you, I'm going to go a bit deeper, like past the surface. And so for an example, take the timing for today when with our podcast, right? Um the timing was a little bit off. And then I realized, I said, no, I have to go outside. I have to get my walk in. So you were going to be a bit late. And then I was a bit later. And when we met up, I said, listen, I am sitting all day. I am working a lot. And I start to get really bad anxiety if I don't go out for even 20 minutes to get the to get the sun. And that's an example of being vulnerable because now I just disclose to you something very personal as opposed to if I was on Instagram and I just like posted a picture of leaves and be like, oh my God, fall. And then, you know, people are like, oh great, sauna's outside enjoying the sun or enjoying the daylight. 
so there's a big difference. It's almost, it's a very inauthentic way. This oversharing is not authentic. And I think everybody in their heart of hearts knows that they want to be understood. Who wouldn't? Who wouldn't want to be understood? Because with that vulnerability comes love and understanding. I love that you said that. It comes love. It comes with love. Yeah. And to your point about people saying they don't want to be alone, my heart says people are really confusing being alone versus being lonely. Right. And those are two. Those are not the same thing, right? You can mm-hmm. you can be alone. If you can read a book for two hours and you're alone in that moment, you won't necessarily feel lonely though, because if you have connections with people that are supportive, you know, you have a network that you can rely on. Once you're done your reading session for an hour or two, you you won't feel lonely in that moment. Mm -hmm. And we're at this point now where if you're not constantly hooked in or tuned into social or your phone or or the news or whatever it may be you think you're alone Mm -hmm. and that you have no one and that and then that results into feeling like you're lonely yeah it's a very good point I mean I'm thinking about how hard is it to really be by yourself Uh, that's another consequence of capitalism (laughs) I don't want to get too philosophical oh man (laughs) but to really actually take the time to unplug and be okay with your mind and yourself and this doesn't happen a lot it doesn't because we're as you mentioned we're plugged in we're constantly hooked whether it's to the news our phone our messages the different social media apps we're using um emails uh we were just responding we're always communicating and the minute that stops i think it's that fear of I don't know what to do with myself. And that's a skill too. It's in Eastern philosophy, philosophy, it's in Buddhism, it's in Hinduism. It's that whole meditation, that being connected to your body, being connected to your breathing. And it does alleviate a lot of anxiety because it allows you to feel okay in your own, with your own brain. And I think that's a really good way to get in touch with yourself because I don't, think that the majority of us are even taking time to completely unplug and be by our thoughts and if we're not even doing that then how how are you getting ideas how do those inspiration how do those moments of you know the aha moments and all all these are supposed to come to us when we are still but if we're not even being still I don't mean to sound cynical I'm just speaking hypothetically that that's another intrapersonal exercise that one can do to get in touch with themselves and that's a great point and a lot of people are not doing those exercises they are constantly plugged in because of whether it be work or whether it be people that they're messaging on whatever messaging apps they're using, right? Mm-hmm. Just all constantly either on a screen or constantly responding to something, reading something that in the long run, let's be real, you don't necessarily have to see all the memes about uh, <laughs> hot dogs, right? Like it's, it's, it's Unless I collect right? them, unless that's my Instagram channel, like you know, the hot dogs. You know, if that's how you're making your income, I don't want to judge. Uh, what, you, what do you do with yourself in those moments of free time. Personally, I think it says a lot about who you are and what you value as a person. Mm-hmm. Um, and to anyone who's wondering what to do in their free time instead of messaging people, I highly recommend reading a book. Um, 
or drawing or doing some a creative outlet or something like that because yeah in those moments to your point that is when you get aha moments i was reading an article recently and it was talking about how a lot of professionals ceos business leaders everything like that they their calendars are not booked solid they have a lot of free time during the day mm-hmm. because in those moments is when they're able to think of new ideas right right mm-hmm. and that free state of thinking not being confined to a nine to five calendar and everyone knows the nine to five is a lie you're always working <laughs> past the, the five o'clock you're always thinking of work at some point after five right? hey sometimes I dream um, of work <laughs> that is terrible and I'm sorry <laughs> it happens sometimes maybe rarely but and I get oh. up and I, and I go how lame am I like seriously <laughs> I love my work. I really genuinely do. But but when it takes up, when it seeps into my dreams, I'm like, man, I need to do something. This is not good. (laughs) Just clear for for your employees and employers. Yeah. And after reading that article, I started to evaluate, like, how much am I doing in my day? Uh, And I'm guilty of this. My friends have called me out. They've, Mm -hmm. They've said to me, I have to relax. I have to take a break. You literally do something every waking hour of the day and then you sleep. I'm, gu- I'm guilty of it. It's, it's a habit that I'm trying to work on. Um, so I've started to just do visualization exercises, just mm-hmm. paint instead of being on my phone for 30 minutes, responding to memes on Instagram, yeah. right? Um, and visualizing where I want to go, what I want to do pertaining to myself and how I also want to impact those in my life and the right. relationships that I have that I have and hold dear like how am I impacting them through my actions and or inactions mm-hmm. and in those moments I'm able to really look at myself and, and see what I what I am bringing and who I want to become yeah a lot, a lot of self-reflection oftentimes it happens after a burnout or after a traumatic incident where one is forced to pause and think and really just think and be alone with their thoughts it doesn't need to come to that for us to slow down And for me, it did. It happened when I was 19, just before my 19th birthday. My best friend, who is my cousin, we grew up writing letters to each other like pen pals, um, even though we were in different countries and so forth. But she died of a terminal illness just before her 19th birthday. And I remember she was at the point where everyone was telling me she's not going to survive. She's not going to survive. And I was just doing my grade 12 exams, you know, I was a very good student, very involved, multi-dimensional in teams. And, you know, I was in like archery, wrestling team, arts club, you name it, right? I was, I was focused and I kept studying because I wanted to get the best grades and I wanted to get a scholarship when I went to uh, university and I ignored it and I was in denial. And finally, our last conversation with her was, did you get in? And I was like, yeah is your exams, are your exams over? I said, yeah. So did you do well? Yeah. And that was it. And shortly after she was on morphine and she was not able to communicate. And when she passed away, it hit me like a ton of bricks. And I thought, oh my goodness. And again, this is different because you're in denial. But that moment, I completely, like a switch went off. I went, I became from this go, 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 Um, type model type a personality to someone that really slowed down and looked around as if for the first time in my life I knew that life is finite and I started paying attention to the relationships 
um, and really cherishing them and, and actually noticing that I had not done enough, had done enough in my life to nurture and build relationships. So when I, I really should have taken a year off of university, but knowing me, I was like, I'm going to be fine. And I went to my first year and like totally flunked a bunch of courses, still passed, but my approach was now I'm getting to know people and learn. And and anyway, so this lesson was pretty harsh for me. And I do know to slow down because I do know life is, we're all going to die at the end of the day. So sometimes even if there's a conflict, my mind goes, yeah, we're all going to die. So it's okay. It's like, you know, you you get to be a certain level of chill because you're like, it's cool. Um, So yeah, I'm just rambling now. But uh, I think Another point I wanted to make really quickly was the accountability part, which really gets me, honestly, it really gets me. I think part of this self-awareness or intrapersonal communication is knowing when you've been wrong and apologizing, just taking accountability for something that you did. It's not very hard, but it seems to be very hard because I, I, it's my biggest pet peeve and I'm encountered with it all the time. Now, what does that say about me? Uh, I am very <laughs> highly sensitive and in tune to others' reactions around me. Sometimes people say too much but the one thing that really gets to me is, is honestly this accountability. Like, it's not that hard to say I mess up, like you mentioned. You know, how does one get to learn that? First, I want to make a quick comment on the death thing. Uh, I'm sorry about your friend. It's terrible. In relation to our society, we are just go, go, go. We don't think of death. We always think of it as it'll happen to someone else. It won't impact me, right? right. Um, and, until it does, which is the unfortunate thing. And then that's when you start to learn and realize, oh, this is... This is real. That's yeah. not just in movies, books. It's not just in TV, right? right, right. Um, and that goes into the conversation of being emotionally aware and understanding the value of human life, mm-hmm. which a lot of us don't until it's either too late or until you kind of are forced to. And I, I want to plug this app that I have no stake in whatsoever. I just think it's a really <laughs> good app. Uh, it's called We Croak, and it's it's an app that reminds you every day that you're going to die, and it has a quote that pops up. <laughs> and We Croak? Listen to me. We Croak, yeah. <laughs> we going to die. Um, and oh the entire goodness. premise around it, the entire premise around it is essentially like when you are told, when you are reminded of the fact that you are going to be non-existent at one point, you will die, you will stop breathing, Mm-hmm. no more making an impact, no more talking to people, you are that much more likely to enjoy life, hmm. to embrace in conversations you may not want to be, may not previously wanted to embrace with, be more open to those dialogues. Oh, I see. Because yeah. you're more open-minded because you realize, wow, okay, yeah, this, this is, life is short. <laughs> well, how can I make the most out of it? And also yeah. it reminds you to just relax because yeah, we're going to live something bad goes wrong at work, right? Yeah. Um, so I just want to plug that. That's hilarious. Right Thanks there. for sharing that. <laughs> no worries. All about sharing. Sharing is caring. <laughs> um, to your accountability question, in terms of how do people take accountability, I think it goes back to people's upbringing. I'll, to be completely transparent, uh, depending on how their parents handled relationships, mm-hmm. um, I know, for example, if you see your mom and dad, how they argue or how they have a conversation will impact your conversation style, right? Mm-hmm. 
same thing with accountability. If one of your parents or one of your, your relatives is often dismissive to the person they're talking to, that may rub off on you. Right. Or you may be more hypersensitive to a situation where you feel as if you're being dismissed and you don't want to be that in that situation. So it goes back to upbringing. And for people that want to start taking more accountability, just being more aware of their own actions and how they're impacting other people, I think is a good start. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's it's very simple when you think about it, you know, being aware of your own actions, but at the same time, it's, it's taking the attention away from you, right? It's saying, well, how are others being affected by it? So funny enough to learn about you, you have to put yourself out of yourself and then look from, from outside or be open also to the criticism that others give you because we're terrible at that. Just generally, we're not very good at pointing out our flaws. Only the people that know us very closely know that. And when they tell us, we don't want to hear it. <laughs> and typically some people only get it from their families. Um, but it is somewhat of a blessing to be able to hear that and constructively think, oh, interesting. That's, you know, in, in improving yourself or your skills, you may ask the person, well, what, why do you say that, right? Instead of reacting again negatively. Uh, there's, for whatever, have you seen Tron? Yes. That movie <laughs> yeah. it came out a very well, well, long time ago. I, love I don't that know movie. why. I don't, the, great soundtrack, amazing soundtrack. Yeah. For whatever reason, the only part of that movie that I remember, aside from the soundtrack, is this with the original quote, Tron? The remake one. Oh, there, okay, the second part. Okay, okay. There's this one quote, and for whatever reason, it's just stuck with me. And it was one, it's from one of the main characters, and they're trying to figure out how to solve this the, the problem in the movie. I can't remember what they were trying to figure out. Mm -hmm. But the main character goes and turns to the other main character and says, I'm eliminating myself from the equation. Hmm. And she was not focusing on how she was focusing on the end goal. And let's say your end goal with someone is to resolve a conflict, mm -hmm. right? Think of the ways that you can resolve that conflict and just remove, remove yourself. How can you get there? Don't take anything personally. That's, that's not how progress is made. Mm -hmm. uh, so in a lot of situations, whenever something arises, I always wonder, okay, eliminate myself from the equation. How can I make this situation right. Hmm. And oftentimes doing that really helps. Hmm. Well, that's a very interesting point. I, uh, I, as a Tron fan, I'm trying to really hard to think which movie and what scene that's from. So I'm thinking that is the second movie, which was a continuation of the first one. <laughs> the first one is so you, old and cheesy, <laughs> but I still love it. You know, <laughs> you know what? Like you, it may, it may not even be Tron. I could be totally <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was Tron though. Um, I guess I gotta, next time I watch it, I'll, I'll pay attention to that. But you know, it sounds like something it could be in, but not to take away from your point, but you're right. It's, it's looking outside, look, you know, looking outside. And if, and I found the name of that song, it's We're All Gonna Die by Dawes, D-A-W-E-S. Here so, for it. Yeah. So totally. I'll look up that app about mortality and you can listen to that song just to get back to some of the things we talked about like a, a little recap, you know, communication is essential in nurturing, developing the, not just the interpersonal relations, but the intrapersonal relations. And that's, you know, the relationship with yourself. And we did talk about how 
we need to take accountability to actually change something in ourselves, whether it's by, you know, that app that you talked about. What was it? Something croak? <laughs> We croak. We all going to die. <laughs> we like One technique was, you know, thinking about our mortality or that life is finite and reminding yourself that you're not here forever. Unless, you know, you're uh, somebody outside either devil or someone or whatever you'd like to call it that's immortal. I don't believe in the devil. Now I'm going on a tangent. But um if you have, if you are immortal, that's amazing. Please tell us your secrets or not. Maybe then you'd have to kill me. But you know what? I'm actually totally joking. <laughs> Going back to the point, knowing our mortality. Number one is being being aware of our how our actions affect others. Um, being aware of our mortality, taking accountability, and actually learning our attachment styles and also paying attention to, I really like that example you gave of the kid, right? And, and I like these stories when you give examples, because that helps us think. We think through stories. You know, if you see a reaction, if you see someone acting not the way that you expected them to, perhaps asking them uh, what led them to act that way, as opposed to making it about you. Um, and also speaking of that, like disconnecting from the narcissism that we're all surrounded and bathing in, right? Um and uh that's disgusting <laughs> hey we're we're just, just you know taking just a cesspool of narcissism loving don't it don't you love that Beautiful. image i know i know i'm great <laughs> with words <laughs> The beautiful sea of narcissism. I mean, it's just to take a step back and connect with your body and and perhaps look into um, some Buddhist philosophies or, or old, you know, where, where what what did people used to do in back in the days or in, in ancient, there's some beautiful cultures and religions and you may not agree with everything and neither do I, but there's some things that we can take and learn from the spiritual side of the practices that are I feel are lost. And you you also mentioned something great, which was to plug in time to do nothing, right? Um, like look at your agenda and, you know, I just want to quickly say, first, I, I'm really into stationery and I love agendas and I have two agendas and I have my work and my personal and I had three at one point, but that's just overkill. Anyway, so for me, at least it was. So I had all these highlighters and then I decided to highlight everything. <laughs> And they started giving me, making me so much more anxious. <laughs> I remember buying them and when I was so happy and I color coded things and, and then I just did not want to look at my agenda and I wanted to throw it away. And yeah, lo and behold, I did throw those highlighters away because they gave me a headache. And now I purchase low liners, which are light, mild highlighters, midliners, I think they're called. For the, the sophisticated young woman. Who likes to have tea and biscuits in the afternoon. Yes. <laughs> That's exactly me. <laughs> <laughs> I do like my tea and bikis. As long as they're I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> thank you. Thank you for describing me there. So yeah, I, I, I got these midliners. But anyway, like to have going back to not have too much in your agenda because it's essentially about our progression as opposed to completing a task all the time. And I think part of it is, is how do we condition ourselves and develop better habits where we where our rewards are given internally, where our validation is coming internally. Because the more we rely on the high that we get from the rewards, the more we 
allow that other source to control our validation. Um, and that's something that marketers are well aware of by using, you know, colors like red or colors that in, uh, that basically for notifications that in, incite a more emotional response in your brain. So it is very tricky to get out of that uh, beautiful sea of narcissism. Uh, but if we are aware that exists, it exists, we can at least start with that, that self-awareness part. Yeah. And one last point, I feel as if everything can be summarized by control. And to your point about the notebooks, Mm -hmm. it seems as if you are trying so much to control your day to day with the highlighters and the number of notebooks that you had trying to control that Mm -hmm. moving away from that situation and more so understanding that you can only control your reactions to people's actions Mm -hmm. and having that calmness and that knowledge to me, I feel as if you can you can do anything with that. Yeah, that's that's beautiful. Well said, really well said. And it reminds me, I mentioned this book to you. You asked me once, what's the book that you recommend? And uh, and I love one of the things that I really like about you. One of the many things I love about you, you always come up with really insightful questions randomly, right? And you message me, and I'm just like, what? And I'll actually start thinking. So uh, it was uh, the Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz, and it's a beautiful book um, filled with wisdom. And it's he just talks about four principles: be impeccable with your word, don't take anything personally, don't make assumptions. And always do your best. Everybody I recommended the book to really liked it. And and it's basically everything that you're saying, that control, right? That whole assumption bit, the doing my best, but also move away and, and understand that I, can, I can't control. I, I don't need to control. I can just do my best and my best can be very different. Yeah, but, but yeah, thanks so much, Maria. Uh, any other thoughts that you had? Final thoughts? Thank you for having me. That's my final thought. This is great. I went on so many tangents. <laughs> Yay. Very on brand for us. Very on brand. Totally. Love it. Thank you so much for joining. Uh, not that gender matters, but you are actually the first uh, female guest in my podcast. Represent. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> again, again, I do not care. It's just somebody, a few people pointed out, hey, Sana, do you have any girlfriends? Oh, hey, Sana, do you, you know, talk to women? I'm just like, you know what? I do. I do. Okay. Um, I also know some non-binary people. So, hey, take that. But no, I'm not really like, it's not about gender, but it's just funny. And, and yeah, I really love the conversation. Thanks, Maria. You can find this podcast on my website, www.artisana.com, A-A-R-T-Y-S-A-N-A.com under the podcast section, or you can also check out Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and your other local podcast subscribers. Thanks so much for joining in.